Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to this week's Glad Tidings, the Athletics Everton podcast. My name is Paddy Boyland and we're without Greg O'Keefe this week. He's on his own international break. But in the spirit of things, we've decided to go global and this week I'm joined by two of my fellow writers of The Athletic and two Evertonians, more importantly. Delighted to be joined by Rob Beertemple and by Kevin Fishbane. Chaps, thanks for coming on to talk about Everton, as, as we were saying. <laughs> off air it would have been a different conversation a few weeks ago but i appreciate you you coming on how are you both doing i'm doing well patty it's uh, I'm, I'm coming at you from uh, the suburbs of pittsburgh pennsylvania where it is actually a rare sunny day in autumn and uh <laughs> which is which is nice to have we just had some pretty good weather the past couple of days and uh, now it's going to become a lot more dismal and gray and wintry so i'm enjoying it while it lasts and I, I, I take it that Rob is getting the weather we had in Chicago a couple of days ago, <laughs> and where I am. And uh, I know we'll get into this, Patty, but uh, I'm here in Chicago Bears land, where quite similar to Everton, they got off to a miraculous start that had the city pretty excited, and now they have completely uh, fallen off the ledge. Now you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a week. There's plenty of great Everton articles on there and, and so much more. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Everton pod. That's theathletic.com forward slash Everton pod to sign up now. Rob, maybe start with you and you want to talk to me a little bit about kind of your, your background and why it is you decided to gravitate towards this weird and wonderful club we call Everton. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I started playing and I'm going to, I'm going to, I guess I'll, I'll try to stick to calling it football uh, and, and make sure we're not confusing it with the Bears. But I, I started playing football when I was in grade school and I was a tall kid and kind of, you know, and, and I moved okay. And I wanted to be a, uh, a sweeper. That was the was my goal. <laughs> I loved playing sweeper. I just loved the uh, the, the you know the tactics of it and, and the you know, the aggressiveness of it. And the coach took a look at the tall kid and said, "Hey, you're a goaltender." <laughs> and and I hated it. I hated playing goal. So my my football career was brief and unfulfilling. Um, and then uh, for, for the past, you know, 25 odd years or whatever, I've been a, uh, a I've covered football, but American football. I, I covered uh, Penn State football here uh, in, in the Big Ten Conference. That's college football. And, and I, for, but for the most part, my main gig as it is now has been the Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, which is the, uh, the Major League Baseball team. Uh, at least nominally, <laughs> considering they had the worst record in the league this past summer. And I, and I became uh, an Everton fan. It was about, I guess, uh, eight or ten years ago when, you know, I, 
you know, you guys can relate to this as a writer. You know, you put aside to a degree your your fandom, and you look at things you know objectively, and 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 try to you know be a reporter. And it was hard when I when I covered Penn State football because I I attended Penn State University, so it's like you, everybody's like, oh, that must be great. I'm like, well, it's not really because you can't enjoy the game the way that you used to. And growing up in Pittsburgh and covering the Pirates, it's the same kind of thing. You really can't, you know, you don't let yourself be a full-on fan. So I wanted something that I could be a fan of, that I would have no chance of being conflicted. And I thought, well, Premier League, uh, I, you know, like soccer. I, I, so I started searching about for a team, and there's a lot of Evertonians here in Pittsburgh. One of my best friends uh, told me about uh, about Everton, and I looked into it, and I, you know, it just, it just felt right. And at that time, they had a... Uh, a real, you know, electrifying player named uh, uh, Lukaku. And yep. I just enjoyed watching him play so much. And uh, before you knew it, uh, you know, every every Saturday morning, uh, I was trudging over across town. There's a, there's a pub here that, that does Premier League all day. And groups of supporters get together and watch games. And sometimes it's uh, loud and boisterous. Uh, I had my first Derby experience there, which was fantastic. <laughs> so it's just it just felt right. And I and I you know I know that people have said you know you're, you're born not made an Evertonian, and that's kind of how it felt for me because it's a team that is kind of the underdog that has kind of struggled. For, you know, and has had times of, of great success. The people look back fondly out now and say, why the hell can't we have that again? And that's kind of what it's like to be a Pirates fan. So it's a good fit for me. And Rob, you mentioned there that in, in Pittsburgh in particular, that there seems to be a, a thriving collection of, of Evertonians. Have you been able to understand maybe why that is? You know, I, I think some of it is that it, you know, and I've noticed a lot of the people who, who we, when we get together to watch games, a lot of them are also the people who are diehard Pirates fans. And um, like I said, there's just that that common sense of, of, of an underdog team, uh, you know, not not rooting for the the the, the flashy you know none of no I never had any interest at the time uh, in becoming a man U fan uh, I flirted briefly with 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 Crystal Palace and and yes I even admit I flirted with Liverpool oh. but a lot of other people you know just talking to them the sense was just like this is a club that is just kind of gritty and I like that and I and I liked the the style of play um I like, you know, just, just you know, it was it was easy to gravitate that when I found other people kind of felt the same way that there was that that just that aura around it that you have if you're a Pirates fan, because uh, this is a team that has a small budget that never has flashy players, or if it does have a, a superstar player, it, he doesn't stick around for long because he goes to another town with a bigger yep. paycheck and a bigger chance of going to the playoffs, <laughs> Lukaku, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, so that's why I think a lot of people here in Pittsburgh. Now there is a pretty big, sizable, and there's a, a local radio guy who kind of leads the charge. Liverpool contingent in town. So um, you know, I, I think maybe just the fact that, that the towns are a little bit similar. It's kind of a working man's town, a blue collar town. People like that kind of feel, and it it, it just it like I said, it just feels right. It's a good fit. Okay. 
And Kevin, how about you? Is it is it as simple like as as with Rob, where you kind of gravitated of your own accord to Everton, or is it is there something else at work here? Uh, no, it's it's <laughs> kind of similar. Um, I uh, like Rob. I, I I grew up playing uh, playing football a little bit. Um, I couldn't. I, I was way too skinny and scrawny to play American football, <laughs> uh, and uh, I actually liked playing goalie. But um, the <laughs> I, I was I feel like in a typical American soccer fan in the early 21st century in terms of I watched soccer football every four years like I, I got really into mm. both the men's and women's World Cup okay and then that was it and then I, I just did I didn't even really know or understand much about the Premier League and then when I got to college I'll date myself a bit in 2006 the um, so this was right after the 06 World Cup and I had the the FIFA game on my Xbox so I got really into FIFA but I was playing with the national teams, I, I, I would play as Argentina. You know, I would play as um, not the not the premier clubs, and I, I became good friends with the the guy in the dorm next door. He's still one of my closest friends, and he was a huge Tottenham supporter. And he was explaining to me how the Premier League worked and all this stuff. And he said, "You got to pick a club. This is the perfect time to do it. You're starting college, and you know you, you, you try new <laughs> things in college, right? That's what that's what you do." So um, I know Rob is familiar with Bill Simmons. I'm not sure how much bill simmons has gotten across the pond um but he had kind of a kind of a famous article for espn where he tried to pick a premier club so my friend sent me that um and i kind of went through bill's um you know decision making and i I actually didn't really go full in because i already knew i I liked tim howard a lot and i already had Mm -hmm. kind of followed tim cahill a little bit in the world um for australia in the world cup i was like well there's already two players i know on this one and uh it but what, what the the kicker is my friend tried to convince me to pick redding uh oh. and i said no i really think i've been reading about everton i i i feel like for a chicago person there's there's some similarities which we can get into and i, I really liked tim howard I'm, I'm gonna pick everton he was like i think you should pick redding and of course like two years later redding was relegated um so i i, I t- and, and that 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 06 07 year you know everton finished sixth and um and then i w- I don't know, and again, this is this could be me just being, um, you know, egotistical as an American, not knowing which phrases go which ways. But fair weather fan, I don't know if that, uh, yep. that gets, you know. So I wouldn't say I'm so much as a fair weather fan. It's just my so I cover American football. I cover the Chicago Bears, and I've covered American football since 2010. So my weekends in the fall are pretty booked. You know, I don't really, I, you know, every Sunday, certainly, and a lot of Saturdays I'm traveling or, you know, at college football games. And so what, what, what kind of happened in those years, which is coincidentally gets once when, once Rob started getting into Everton, is when I would, you know, every August I'd catch up on the transfer market, I'd read a bunch of preview articles, I'd watch the first two matches, and then American football would start. And I just, you know, I just didn't have time. And then come January, February, Everton, you know, wasn't really in the thick of things as much, and and I would start to dwindle. But Patty, you know, what was what was so fun when the Athletic UK launched, and you and Greg came on board? I said, well, this is wonderful. Now I have colleagues who you know cover <laughs> the the club, and it's just a perfect time to really, you know, I'd gone from watching a few matches every year to like, all right, this is the perfect time for me to dive back in. Um, and, uh, the, you know, the pandemic has allowed it to be a little easier to just stay at home and not, I'm not, I'm not traveling uh, during Chicago Bears season. So, yeah, so, I, you know, as I said, I always watched them and I, they, uh, but and it was much more in college and I actually feel 
kind of silly because the Chicago Evertonians Club is a very robust group, and yeah. I've been kind of following them on Facebook and Twitter, and I feel so embarrassed. They're the 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 bar that they watch everton at every saturday and sunday is a few blocks from where i used to live and i just didn't even i didn't even know about it, it was right when i was uh, i had finished college and i could have i would have totally been there um on the weekend mornings uh so I, I missed out of that now i'm moved out to suburbia so it's a little harder to make that trek but uh yeah that that would be my my everton journey it's funny rob mentions covering the side that you support um what that does to your reporting and to your enjoyment of games, because I mean, like you've mentioned there, we, we started the Athletic in on over in this side of the world in August 2019, I think it was. And myself and Greg are obviously both Evertonians. And when they win, it's fantastic. And you get to talk about James Rodriguez being fantastic and going further back, like to Lukaku doing really well. But I remember after, I don't know if, Either of you guys remember this game. Last year, Everton drew 2-2 with Newcastle at home. And I think until the 93rd minute, they were winning 2-0, Everton. Mm -hmm. Newcastle somehow, Newcastle's centre-half, who doesn't score any goals, somehow managed to to score twice, one of which was an overhead kick in the final two minutes of the game. And then the next morning, I woke up with a bit of a sore head and a bit grumpy, and I had a phone call from an editor who said to me, we'd like you to watch that final five minutes back and deconstruct (laughs) everything that went wrong. And I just thought to myself, that's probably the last thing I would want to do as a supporter (laughs) at the moment, but it's a kind of a journalistic obligation to do that. And I guess it it almost becomes a a labor of love. Um, But yeah, just picking up on something you said there, Kev, you, you were talking about parallels maybe between the Bears and, and Everton. And I was telling both of you off off air in the build-up to the pod that whenever I see an article that's kind of along the lines of, if you support X Premier League t- team, you should support Y NFL side. And when I do that, I always see Everton and, and Chicago Bears pulled together for, for some reason. So I mean, I, I, I'll be honest, I'll hold my hands up. I, I don't know much about uh, the NFL in particular, but why do you think that is, Kev? It's an interesting thing because I, I so so Roger Bennett is is kind of the famous example of the crossover. Um, so Raj uh, has been has talked a lot about his affinity for the Chicago Bears, and obviously he's an Everton supporter. So I kind of figured it was just that. Um, and then for when the Premier League restarted um, with uh, Ed Malian, our editor here at the Athletic. Um, he, 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 so he's kind of the flip. So he has, he lives in Chicago now and he's a big, he's become a big bears fan. He's kind of adopted the bears and he and I worked together on trying to pair each team. And I said, well, I know the bears so well. I know the Everton so well, I'm just going to pair them. And then I started doing research and there is some kind of eerie parallels. So, you know, they're both founding members of their leagues. Um, you know, the bears are a charter franchise of the NFL and then so Patty, you'll get appreciate this is so the Bears won the championship in 1963. You know they won the Super Bowl in 1985. Um, their other great years were kind of in the 20s and 30s, uh, and then since 1985, they've been pretty much flailing um, with little blips here and there. Like 2006, they were really good, um, but they haven't won the Super Bowl since 1985. Um, they've only made the playoffs once. Um, this decade and the other thing that i've that you know so you have those similarities you think about the rivalry with liverpool well the bears have the green bay packers and the green bay packers are um certainly way more popular than the bears 
and have had way more success, especially in the past 20, 30 years than the Chicago Bears have. Um, and they both, you know, have the color blue, which might help uh, at a superficial <laughs> in a superficial sense. But yeah, so when I was researching that, not, not just kind of the years, but just the, the, the fact that they've been around forever and they, they, you, you think about historically just the greatness that, you know, people have so many wonderful memories of the 85 Bears and even the 63 Bears. And you, you, you hear about those teams so much, but you don't hear as much about any team from the past 20, 25 years. Um, and they just kind of tend to break your heart. So I will say, Patty, <laughs> if you are looking to pick an NFL team, I would be I would be careful before you pick the Chicago Bears, even though there are those similarities. I'm just I'm just wondering because there are quite obvious parallels as you've mentioned there, but I'm just wondering if if I can take any more pain in my life and whether if, <laughs> if so, I can actually commit to it to another side that inflicts that level of of pain on you. And I'm I'm not entirely sure, um, but it is interesting, like you say, you know, 60s and 80s, a period of success for the Chicago Bears. Also, when Everton were at their best as well. One of the things I want to pick up on. From what you said, Rob, you, you were talking about the similarities, not only necessarily between the two clubs, the two institutions, but also maybe the two cities. And just mm-hmm. I wanted to unpack a little further what you meant by that in relation to, to Liverpool, obviously, but, but also Pittsburgh. Well, we don't have seagulls, so that's one area where you guys got us. <laughs> Um, yeah. We do have pigeons, though, which is, you know, it's a curse. That might be time. worse. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Yeah, But there, it's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a town that when I, I grew up here, I was I was born in the mid 60s. So when I really came of age, high school, college years, uh, I was, you know, the late 70s, early 80s. And the city was really undergoing a bit of a transformation because it was always a blue collar town. It was, you know, the, well, I mean, you've heard the nicknames, you know, the steel city, the smoky city. Yeah. Has, yeah the steel industry was so big. And, you know, I, I talked to my, my parents and grandparents about what it was Pittsburgh used to be like where the, the streetlights would be on at, you know, 12 o'clock in the afternoon just because there was so much filth in the air from the mills and whatnot. But then that all really changed and rather quickly in the 80s whenever the, that whole industry in Pittsburgh just shut down and it affected obviously the economy and, and to a big degree the culture because it was it's a town of neighborhoods uh, and I think that's one thing you know that I like about Chicago uh, Kevin is that you know it, it, it there's there are distinctive neighborhoods in Pittsburgh um, whatever part of town you come from, you know, it, it, there's a lot of uh, a lot of maybe ethnic feel because different you know different groups settled in certain areas. Mm-hmm. But there's also even just like linguistic things. Like my accent is is North Side Pittsburgh. Um, if you're from the South Side, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit more nasally, and I think a lot more annoying <laughs> than, than my right. North Side accent. But you know, they're they're just. It, but it, it's it at the end of the day, it's a very and even though that you know the the economy has has kind of shifted now more toward a high tech kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's still a, I think a very honest kind of gritty place to live. Uh, People uh, don't put. I don't. They don't put up with bullshit. They don't. They don't put on airs for the most part here. And I think that's something that you know. I, I have not yet 
been to Great Britain. It's it's on the bucket list. A trip to Goodison, hopefully before it shuts down, is yeah. is on the bucket list. Um, my wife has been there, and she has relatives there as well. But I haven't uh, gotten a chance to go there yet. I'm really looking forward to just experiencing the town because I've taken talked to other people, other writers, ball writers who have made trips over there. Um, a few with with Everton USA for games, and they talk about how it has that kind of. I guess in some ways, there's what they say is there's like a Midwestern USA kind of feel to the town. So I'd like to experience that for myself and, and judge if it's accurate or not. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. One of the things that I've, I've enjoyed most about the job since, since starting with The Athletic has been the extent of the interaction with supporters of Everton in the US. There's, I would say there's a sizable backing for Everton and there's a sizable following on our, on our Everton page now on, on, on The Athletic site, interacting with, with US supporters more or less now on a, on a regular basis, you might say. For you, Kevin, what... Why do you think Everton do have this relatively sizable following in 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 the states? Yeah, well, you know, I I do wonder if the you know the connection for me, the Tim Howard connection, and then and then obviously Landon Donovan. Um, I do wonder how much that plays a role for some people um, looking back and and you know wanting to find clubs with with players from the United States that you know they can gravitate to easily. Um, but then you know I think we all know and, and Rob certainly does too that if you're a true football fan in America, you probably aren't the biggest fan of the U.S. men's national team because of how <laughs> miserable okay. they've been, especially especially recently. Um, but yeah, I, I think that might have something to do with it. And I do wonder if there is a, you know, different people, you know, like, you know, on the, on the Chicago Bears beat, um, there, there's a mix. We have a, we have a Man City fan. Um, we actually have a Fulham supporter. So when we, when the Bears played in London in, last October, uh, Everton was, I, I want to say they were at, they were on, on one of the coasts. So I was, I wouldn't have been able to make the trip. So we all went to a Fulham um, uh, match, which was uh, it was a blast. It was my first, yep. um, and it was it was an incredible um, atmosphere. Um, and Patty, when I when I was there, thinking like you get to you get to experience that every weekend. <laughs> it well, not now, obviously with the pandemic, yeah. but um, you get to experience that every weekend. But yeah, I, I I wonder if there are certain fans who don't want to pick Manchester United that you know go out of their way not to pick. Um, maybe even Liverpool and Chelsea, and I would even I don't know maybe even throw Arsenal in there just because they don't want to pick the 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 you know the big four the the known clubs and and I would say right now Man City's in that category too, um, just based on you know the money situation it, and that's the other that's one of the biggest differences too between you know the uh, you know European football and certainly American football is there's a salary cap here. And that really leads to a lot of parity in the NFL, which I was thinking, Patty, when you were thinking about picking an NFL team, there's not many NFL teams that sustain success the way you see in the Premier League. Um, And I I think that the way a lot of American sports fans are is they hate the New York Yankees. They hate the Los Angeles Lakers. They hate some of these, um, you know, in the NFL, it would probably be the New England Patriots. Um, You know, they hate the, the longtime winners. And maybe there's this thing of Everton, okay, they're not perennial bottom dwellers, 
um, but they're not going to be one of the big teams. I can't be called, um, you know, a front runner uh, for picking for picking the toffee. So, you know, that that could also be one of the factors for for some American fans. One of the things my buddy told me was that, that he, just what you said there, Kevin, is that Everton, you know, it's it's never going to be that team that you pick every year to be on top of the table. But it's also not going to, you're not going to have to be like, at least not usually, biting your nails about the possibility of, you know, of being relegated. So that makes those times when it does, you know, ascend to the top four or whatever mm. that much sweeter. I guess, I guess you're both right. And I was just thinking when I was growing up as a kid, as, as an Everton fan as a kid, I would always hang my hat, so to speak, on mm-hmm. one or two players, the kinds of players that you would think would almost be transformational. Mm-hmm. So, Rob, you, you mentioned uh, Romelu Lukaku, who obviously now has, has kind of moved on to pastures new. So I just wanted to get, for, for both of you, given that it is pretty much a feast or famine with Everton at this moment <laughs> in time, I, w- I wanted to get from both of you a, a sense of you, your, your favourite Everton players and your favourite em- Everton memories. And maybe we could start with you, Rob. You, you speak about Lukaku there. Do you, do you have any particular games in mind where you kind of just lit things up and you, you remember just kind of going, wow? Oh, boy. You know, I... I think for me it was the it was the first game that that I saw that we went over to the, the place it's called Piper's Pub um, on the south side of, of, of Pittsburgh where where the, you know where it's like an all day Premier League marathon and I'm I can't remember for the I think it might have been Tottenham uh, I can't remember who, who the opponent was that day but just seeing uh, the the just. Lukaku scored only once in that game, I remember, but it was one of those games where he seemed to be in on on every moment, every play, every every time that there was you know a question being asked or and on either side of the pitch, he found a way to be involved in that. And I remember thinking, wow, that's you know that's the kind of guy that you really like to see. And over the years too, it's funny because my other, I guess my other favorite player um, is is maybe not. He has offensive flair as well, but he's a he's a defender. It would be Seamus Coleman. Um, I just you know, and that's why it's been difficult these this past you know couple of years to to watch Everton because he's been so banged up you know with the with the injuries. Um, but just be, you know, just the way he he plays and the steadying force that he is out there in so many different ways, and it just seems like there there, there are times when the you know the, there needs to be whether the you know whether even he can affect settling down the midfield, he can affect the, the just the, the pace of the attack. He does so many things. Uh, it's kind of the guy that I wanted to be, I guess, when I was that teenage soccer player who wanted to be a sweeper, but I wanted to be able to affect the game in, in every facet. I wanted to be the guy who could, you know, uh, you know, stick it in every now and then uh, and, and get everyone's attention. Uh, obviously, I wasn't quick enough and sure-footed enough to become that. And so instead, I became the goalie who got kicked in the face. Um, but, you know, for, so for me, those are the two guys that really have, um, you know, just sparked my fandom uh you know yes you know rooney was magnificent and there's been some other guys who i've loved playing tim howard was just amazing um and i'm still hanging in there trying to be a pickford fan um but but for me coleman and lukaku were just the two players that that for me transcended everything else in, in recent everton lore kev how about you 
Yeah, well, you know, I obviously mentioned Tim Howard and Tim Cahill as, as my introduction to Everton. Um, but, you know, you look back at that club, Patty. I mean, Mikel Arteta was, yeah. you know, so mm. fun to watch. And actually, this is, you know, very ele- elementary. But as a big FIFA player back then, I always liked making a substitution at the end for a striker. So I would always put in James Vaughn. <laughs> or, or, or Victor and she, I don't Victor and Chibi um, yep. at the end to try to you know get that you know little spark and little goal at the end. Um, back to a, um, a match I remember you know that uh, that League Cup against Chelsea in um, I was just pulling it up to remember when it was January two thousand eight the semifinals. Mm-hmm. That for me was the first time that you know I was really. You know, I'd been an Everton supporter for a couple of years at that point, so I was locked. It was the first time it was like, it was like a match with consequence that I was locked into, mm-hmm. which, of course, they lost. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, you know, just being able to have that experience, you know, that, you know, here I am, 19, getting to totally have a new team that I'm, ex- like, you know, jumping up and down for um, was really kind of special to, to experience that. Um, so that one kind of resonates with me. Um, you know, it's, it's been fun, Patty, to read, you know, now that I'm kind of devouring what you and Greg write and I'm learning more about the game and the analytics and things like that. I think Seamus Coleman is probably somebody... I wouldn't have really paid a whole lot of attention to it. You know, I'm, I'm starting to learn about, you know, the, the ways that the defensive players, you know, impact the game. Um, but I will say this, Lucas Digne for me is probably um, up there at, at, on this club specifically as being so fun to watch. And I forgot whether it was you or Greg wrote about his impact a few weeks ago. Um, and it's, yeah. it's really cool to kind of, um, to kind of now watch him and, and just the way he plays both ways and the way he impacts the game and, and his speed. You, Patty, you mentioned the American Evertonians. I was wondering if that was in your mailbag, um, if that was an American who asked you uh, why the Everton's so slow. Because <laughs> that seems like a very, like, it just seems like a very American, like, they're not fast enough. And I think about Digne and I think about Decore as, as kind of bringing that to the, to the club. So, um, yeah, but obviously, I mean, how fun has it been watching Calvert-Lewin? Even oh, not just yeah. the past two months, but going back to the restart. Uh, that That's really been... that the, the story, Patty, about his the physics of his headers um, yep. was so cool um, just to see that. So... Yeah, those are some of the some of the, the guys that, that stand out and 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 have stood out. I have not read yet, by the way, about Hamas uh, the, the new story up today. I know it wasn't by you, Patty, um, about how it's you know his. I, I guess you could probably sum it up better, but I, I am looking forward to seeing that because it, it seems like a, a stark change from what we were reading about him uh, in uh, in September. Yeah, I guess Hamas's story and, and the story that's on the site today is maybe the story of Everton's season so far. Such promise initially, and it's slightly faded. And I did want to get into talking a little bit about you, your guys' impressions of the season as, as it has been. So, Rob, I mean, for you, what have you made of of maybe the business Everton did in the summer, how that reflected on the pitch, and, and what we've seen in terms of the tail-off over the, over the last few weeks? Yeah, I was, I, I think, like most people over here who... Uh, who are Everton fans with me? We were we were maybe stunned is the right word when when the Hamas deal went down, um, <laughs> because you know suddenly there was a guy who there was some sparkle there that it seemed had had been lacking a little bit maybe something uh, it, that that I thought really could bring out a little bit more especially with Richarlison and. Then over those first three or four games, you really see that, and it just seemed like every ball that they would send in, uh, 
that, that somebody would get ahead on it, that, that 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 every pass would connect, and you started, you know, to, to get a sense that this there, there was something building here. But then over the past four weeks, um, and I was just reading this, the story this morning actually about Hamas. <clears throat> pardon me, and and you know that was really eye opening in some ways to the way that other clubs have kind of figured that out so quickly. Um, is that something that you you found is is just sort of a recent trend in the league, or you know, are teams always this quick to adapt in the past, or has it been a lot more stubbornness um, on the pa- a part of management to kind of adapt so much so so frequently so quickly? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because somebody else made the the same point to me over over Twitter earlier. I, I posted the article from from my fellow writer in the UK, Michael Cox. It, it is a really good article and. One of the responses that came back was, wow, we've been sussed out within four or five games. What is going on? And my, my response to that was that that's, that's not unusual, that mm-hmm. now there's so much data, there's so much analysis, scouting times are more and more sophisticated. They're ever more sophisticated now. And I, I think even with, over the course of one game, analytics teams and, and certainly scouting teams will be able to pull up a wealth of information on what's worked, what hasn't worked for the the side they're set to face. And if you watched Everton after the last international break, so that's the games against Liverpool, Southampton and Newcastle, I think you would have been able to see that there was a weakness on that side of the pitch, that Everton's right. Uh, and sides have preyed on that. You, you look at Southampton, Southampton scored one of their goals, kind of immediately down that side with it with a cross into the box and Newcastle also did the same late in the match. So I think I think it's increasingly commonplace to be found out and to have to adapt and continually adapt. And that's because I think that this season that's going to be more apparent than ever because so many games are kind of flung close together. Teams are working around the clock to find solutions. And it'll become about squad depth and it'll become about having enough variety, enough variation to to almost overcome the problems that are in in your way. And that, that brings me on, I think, to, to the point I was going to make, which is I don't think Everton have found solutions to, first of all, sides working out hard to play against them, but also overcoming absentees, absences, yeah. p- people like Richarlison when James has been injured. There's been one way of playing that worked for five or six games. It might work again, but without all the kind of component parts, Everton aren't the same. So, and you, I think it was you, Kev, there, just kind of effectively nodding verbally in appreciation of, of, of what's just being said there. I mean, what what have you made of the, the drop off over the last few weeks? Yeah, it's been, uh, you know, for for us or for me, I should say, you know, some of those six thirty a.m. Uh, local time kickoffs <laughs> lose a little luster when, you know, I, I've got a I've got a you know eleven week old son at home, so uh, you know I'm actually you know awake at random times. So you know, then it's like, oh well, I'm already awake. You know, this is perfect. <laughs> uh, and then and then it's not as fun when they don't score the goals. Um, to sound like a typical American, uh, it's uh, yeah, you, it's amazing to see the drop off when you had the players missing and realizing the lack of depth um you know richarlison um rob i think you'll pre- you'll you'll certainly appreciate this um comparison i thought of with richarlison he reminds me somewhat of aj Przinsky, mm-hmm. where you want him on your club but you hate him if he's not on your club <laughs> um and and patty that's a that's a a, a, a 
former baseball player who's not nearly at the caliber of Richarlison. But do you he think was Tim just... Cahill? It would be another example of that because I, I remember he'd go go away when when he scored a goal. Cahill, he'd go away to the corner flag, even if he was playing away from home against opposition, and he'd do his <laughs> boxing routine. And I just remember all these images of opposition fans getting really irate watching him do that. It was almost like an affront to them. And he was the, he was the guy that would kind of niggle a little bit and he'd, he'd get in the face of the opposition. Everton fans would love him, but opposition fans would maybe hate him a little bit too. Yeah, and you know, any opposition fan, they would love Richarlison if he was out in their club. I mean, he's, cause he's, so, I mean, he's so strong and his speed. I mean, you know, he goes down a lot, but it's because they're putting two or three guys on him every, you know, every time he touches the ball. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been quite stark to see... Um, what's what's been missing with with him out of the lineup and obviously Digne missing and then you know what's been going on with Hamas and, and you're not getting the the touches for Calvert-Lewin you want and man Rob I'm with you with Jordan Pickford cuz you, you just you want him to be great and, yeah. and you're just rooting for him and he has that was it Liverpool where he had like some incredible saves and then you just <laughs> there's just still that one or two that you're like how does that uh, happen like how yeah. does that go in and <laughs> yeah. those are just those are crushing. Um, so you just you you want to see him kind of get back and get right and and, and be consistent. But um, Patty, I was I was ha- I'm I'm kind of happy to see you you get you you probably get so many questions about Anthony Gordon. Um, yep. I know you had one in your mailbag because when I when he stepped in during the restart, um, I, I was mesmerized at what he brought. He's just so quick and, and skillful. And, and watching him a little bit in, in the Carabao games, um, I, I was just like, you, you kind of sit there being like, and, and you did, you've done a great job explaining why he's not in there, but still, you just, when, when the offense seems to be lacking, you know, the, excuse me, the attack, when the attack seems to be lacking creativity, you're wondering, you know, could, could Anthony Gordon be that spark? And, and he's one of those guys that I've really, I really gravitated to, and then uh, you're just kind of wishing he was out there more. Yeah, and I think that goes for for most Everton fans, to be honest, which is which is why we keep getting asked about him and why he's not being selected. It it just felt like Richarlison's absence through suspension. It felt like a massive opportunity for others to put their hands up for more regular inclusion. The guys on the fringes of the first team. So maybe not only Anthony Gordon, but also Alex Awobi and Bernard and and players like that. And I wonder if you if you ask the question about the three of those guys and say. Who has done that? Who has reinforced their own claims without Richarlison? Then you'd probably only say Bernard, and, and that was in a one-off game against against Manchester United. I, I just think what, Everton miss Richarlison because he brings aggression with and without the ball. He's kind of, the way I keep describing him is almost the motor, the engine of this team. He's, he's the talisman in attack and presses the ball, wins the ball, fights to win the ball, but also is so aggressive in the way that he runs at the opposition and scores goals and, and leaps in the air, all those kinds of things. I just think without him, Everton have lacked that edge. And it's up, it's up to the collective as a whole, so not just one individual to, to maybe replace him. But Anthony Gordon seemed to me to be the one that would be closest to doing that because there's an element of fearlessness about his game. He can he can do some of those same things. He looks to, to come inside on his right foot and strike the ball at goal as we saw in those Carabao games. So I think it's been a disappointment for fans. It's also been a disappointment for me, even as a journalist, to see him not get those opportunities. And that's been the failure, I think, of the last three games. Not only have they not replaced Richarlison, but they've probably not not learned that much about the players, not in a positive sense anyway, about what they can bring when, when he's not there. So, 
Yeah, the, the, the questions will rumble on whenever he's not picked. <laughs> I'm, I'm expecting <laughs> them now. I, I, I've got a list of things in my head that I know are going to come whenever we do like a mailbag and it, it's always Moisey Keane, it's always Anthony mm. Gordon, it's always Jordan Pickford and both of you guys have, have spoken about Jordan Pickford there but if my editor Laura is listening to this, she will know that. <laughs> We've had so many conversations over the last few weeks where I've just said to her, listen, unless something absolutely outstanding happens I am not writing about Jordan Pickford again for the foreseeable we've said everything we're able to say about him and he almost just needs that time to I think just kind of go away and focus on his game and not be the center of attention but whenever that looks like it's going to happen he becomes the story again and yeah it's just this it's almost a circus around him now that that's developed that that continues even when he goes away on an international break that probably is quite difficult for him to deal with I imagine at, at this moment in time quite quite difficult for him to to kind of get his head straight and to to put some of that criticism behind him we had this story a couple of days ago on Sky Sports now that this pod is likely to go out on Friday I think it was on Wednesday England's goalkeeping coach a guy that used to be at Everton under Sam Allardyce Martin Margitson went on Sky Sports and effectively did a feature on all the flaws in Jordan Pickford's game. And I don't think I've ever seen anybody do that, certainly not before an international, a set of international fixtures. I just thought it was a really, really curious thing for him to do, to almost stick the boot in a little bit on on this lad that's quite clearly down on on his confidence. So I'm I'm, I'm very much hoping that he doesn't become the, the story in the coming weeks. I'm very much hoping that Anthony Gordon doesn't, because I, I do believe Gordon deserves a chance. I think the one thing as, as Evertonians that we, we can look forward to when it comes to football returning is is that for that game against Fulham, Richarlison's back from suspension, adding something different then again to, to the Everton attack and, and, and kind of hopefully remedying some of the, the ills we've seen that have, have emerged over, over the last few weeks. But I wanted to ask you guys um, if, you, if you had seen the, the Manchester United game and, and if so, what you made of of that because it that felt to me like maybe one of the most disappointing performances of the season. I had to confess I missed the first half of that, so I I turned it on in the second, and so it's it's hard to compare. I, I you know I guess that's what I need to ask you first is what was that? What were the the first half of that game compared like to the second? Because I came out of the second half, you know. It's weird because I, I, you know, I enjoyed watching it, but there were times also where I wanted to hit my head against the wall, especially <laughs> in the in those last five minutes um, when there were a couple of chances, very good chances, and then it just became same old Everton in a way. I mean, they had, they missed on two very good chances, and then and then you know, Manu goes down and scores yeah. to to clinch it. Um, but for the most part, I mean, I was I, I thought at times I, I thought I saw. There was, you know, I felt like, oh, there's a little sign there that maybe it just felt like maybe something was coming together, that something was turning, and then just, but it it seemed unfulfilled. Um, Having seen the whole match, what, you know, is my take mistaken there? Was was it worse in the first half? Was it better? Yeah, I I think we actually did see quite a marked improvement in in the second half, and that that didn't reflect in in the overall scoreline, but I felt like Everton had more control on the game. Yeah. They created more opportunities better opportunities and they just seemed a little bit more connected throughout throughout the field first half w- was a tough watch 
um, that the the issues that are highlighted in Michael Cox's piece today on the site, I think were kind of laid bare for everyone to see. But particularly on the right, Manchester United created a numerical advantage there and made things very difficult for Seamus Coleman. You had Mason Holgate returning, and I think Mason Holgate returning for Everton is a massive boost in a lot of ways, but it maybe was too much too soon for him to be thrown into that game against that calibre of of opposition. And I think the defence looked rusty as a result. And almost, I I felt as though they'd lost the game by half-time, and maybe that's defeatist, but I felt as though the way Manchester United play, they're such a good side on, on the road, such a good side away from home. But whenever they have an advantage, they just sit deep and they counter-attack and they use that pace as we saw for the third goal. So, I mean, you, you actually got to see the best best of the game, probably, Rob, um, which, which is which is, which is is something, at least. It, it kind of, when you guys speak about getting up at 6.30 a.m., I remember shortly after I graduated, spending a year teaching English in Thailand and their games would kick off at maybe three in the morning and I would still, I would still get myself up to go and watch them. And then I'd be so tired for work the next day. I'm just <laughs> utterly furious because I'd stayed up <laughs> in vain to watch Everton lose. There, there was one, there was one game, it was a Manchester City League Cup match, a semi-final, second leg and Everton, uh, I think had won the first leg 2-1 and had scored pretty early on at the City of Manchester Stadium, the what well, the Etihad Stadium now, through Ross Barkley. And there's a really controversial goal for Raheem Sterling, who cuts the ball back, even though the ball's probably a couple of yards over the line. City go on to win the game. I was just so tired. It was too early in the morning. And yeah, I think that's just the, the experience. Must be the experience. I remember thinking that must be the experience of, of an international Evertonian. Uh, and what it's like on a, on a regular basis was, was that was like your experience on on Saturday, Kevin, when you when you watched the Manchester United game. Yeah, pretty similar. I, I missed. You know, we have a stupid daylight savings time here, so we you know we had to move our clocks back an hour, so it's even earlier um, the matches. And uh, yeah, so the I I like Rob uh, caught the second half, um, and and I, I think in that it's that final flurry, like for all the the positive that they built up at times in the second half, the final flurry just didn't lack, you know, it just lacked a lot. And it, you're mm. just kind of waiting for something to come through and it wasn't there. And I actually want to go back quickly, Patty, to the, the Bears comparison. Um, when the Bears played in London last year, going back to um, in terms of times of watching um, games, I wrote about there's a very um, lively uh, interested, passionate Chicago Bears fan base in London, in the UK. Um, and I, I, I got to meet a bunch of them when I was there and I wrote about their experience and a lot of them picked up the Bears in, in the 80s when the Bears were really good and that coincided with when NFL games started to get broadcast um, in the UK. But for them, whenever the Bears have a night game here, you know, 7.30 kickoff uh, in, in Chicago, that game is starting at, you know, one one thirty <laughs> in the morning. And, right. and those those are the true i mean i can't you know i'm sitting here complaining about a 6 30 a.m you know everton kickoff there's probably some evertonians in california who are telling me that i'm not a true not a true evertonian for, <laughs> for complaining about that but uh you know it, it's look I, I was i i tell you what though the liverpool match i set my alarm i was not gonna miss a minute of of, of the derby so i was i was sure to uh to watch every second of that and look it was that was so much fun 
um, yeah. that match. Of course, you know, yeah, yep. it wasn't it wasn't the result we were all hoping for, but it, well, at least it was it was exciting. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Before we head off, guys, just wanted to get your hopes and your expectations for Everton for, for the remainder of the season. Ancelotti has gone on record more or less and said that European qualification is the aim and silverware, a trophy, is the aim in the, in the coming seasons as well. Is that achievable, do you think, this season, Rob, given, given what you've seen from the squad? If they can get everybody back and keep them back... Um... Then, then, yeah. I mean, I, I, that's kind of. I, I was, I was being very guarded coming into this season, especially. You know, I wasn't the way last the, the previous season ended. I, I wasn't really sure what to make of, of what they were going to be able to do coming into this year. But this, you know, maybe I'm just being buoyed by the the rapid start. But I, I still do think that, yeah, I, I you know, they, they they can get to that level of competition and start getting tangible results things to put on a shelf and, <laughs> and say this is this is what we've accomplished um i don't know if it's going to happen though that this maybe not this season um and that's maybe my, my you know gun shyness from the past few years speaking to me that you know you th- you think it's gonna be there you think that there's gonna be uh, a, a big step forward you think lukaku is gonna defy the odds and sign <laughs> that contract and it doesn't happen so but at the end of the day, that's you know it, it. It's good to dream like that. It's good to have a lottery ticket in <laughs> on your TV when you turn it on on Saturday mornings. And I was a guy. I'm gonna. I remember there was a, a time we were playing. The Pirates were in Arizona, and for me that was great because it was a Friday. You know, we got there. On, I got there on Thursday, and uh, it was out. That the game was late on Friday, and for some reason I was still kind of adjusting time wise. So I woke up at like you know three thirty in the morning Arizona time, and and you know. It was, it was only a half hour away from the start of the Everton match. So I was like, well, I can do this. And I did. And I paid for it that Saturday night <laughs> game. Uh, but, um, but yeah, it, 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 I, I'm holding out hope for this year. Not great hope, but at least hope of progress and, and, a, and, a, and a foundation being laid for those, for those kind of you know, successes in the next couple of years. And, and Kevin, for for you, obviously, like we've been saying, the, the last few weeks haven't been so so good for Everton. But are you are you confident things are heading in the right direction under Ancelotti? Oh, I mean, certainly under Ancelotti, it's been it's been fun to see. And I think the transfer market was just so brilliant to see what who he's able to attract. Just the fact that he's this this ultimate recruiter. Um, you know, 
Rob knows, uh, you know, and, and Patty, you know this too. When we cover teams, we love for them to be relevant, right? You know, and I, <laughs> yeah. you know, again, I don't, I don't root for the Chicago Bears, but it makes my job a lot easier. If come December, they're in the playoff hunt, you know, that they're that they're relevant, and, and you know, you'd love to see Everton when we get to the spring, you know, doing the math that they could that they could get in the top six. Um, you know, I think that 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 should be a reasonable goal. By the way, that they started um, to just be in that conversation. I, m- I remember when Carlo first got here, when they when they went on that run right away, and we were all sitting there doing, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, they they could actually get in here." And then obviously things <laughs> fell off a little bit um, yeah. uh, quite quickly. But uh, yeah, that's what you know. I, I'm hopeful that they could they could at least you know you just want them to make things interesting because they obviously haven't the past couple seasons and that I think I, I would hope it's not too much to ask but uh, you know um, it, it would certainly make the, the, the match has come February, March, April pretty because I, and look I mean I, I'm excited for the Carabao matches with, with, Man, with Man U in December I think it'll be fun for them to, to be in contention there as well I just want to be able to look at my friends who are Liverpool fans and tell them to shut up <laughs> that's what I want it doesn't happen very much, Rob, does it, unfortunately. <laughs> um, we, we, know, we know this by now. But, um, I, guys, I wanted to, to, to finish up with a question, actually, and uh, maybe a bit of a fun, a fun one uh, in the end. Uh, which of the three sides that we cover, respectively, Bears, Pirates, or Everton, will be first to win a title and why? And let, let, let's expand this out. Maybe not necessarily a title, but a trophy of any kind. Ke- Kevin... Are you gonna are you gonna be rooting for the Bears on this one? Oh, um, well, the the Bears don't have a quarterback um, who's worthy of getting them to any hardware anytime soon. <laughs> but I'll say this about the NFL: like I mentioned earlier, there is a lot of parity. So you know, I would imagine of the three leagues, um, although 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 Rob baseball has certainly lent itself in this direction over the past you know decade plus. Um, you know that that there there are more opportunities for teams like the Bears to finally break through, um, but ugh, it's hard to it's hard to uh, <laughs> to picture it. Uh, and, and, and as Rob knows, the Pirates didn't show much uh, last season. So, but and then Everton is like there's like too many competitors ahead of ahead of Everton too. I'm not answering the question. I'm rambling because I don't know if there is an answer. Um, I'll 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 say I'll say the. I'll say the pirates. Why not? Let's have you know. Okay. Rob's probably shaking his head and, and rolling his <laughs> eyes at that. Um, but you know, hey, look, look. I'm in Chicago. The White Sox just put up an incredible run, so you know it, it can it can happen. <laughs> I'm going to say you're crazy, Kevin. <laughs> That's what, uh, the the uh, the first team I ruled out of that triumvirate was the Pirates. Um, their ownership is not good <laughs> so i don't see i mean the pirates are certainly trying hard i don't think their window of opportunity to become a playoff team opens for another three or four years and even then um the odds are, are great I mean, and it's hard to say then again too i put that with a caveat of you know baseball is probably going to change its playoff system to more of like what we saw this year where it was maybe not 16 teams in there uh, i always you know i'm a purist when it comes to baseball i you know I was. I don't like the wild card teams. I don't like the addition of all that stuff. I, I prefer to have the really good teams. That if you if you're playing 164 games, 162 games, whatever, you need to 
to have those teams rewarded with the playoffs. And I think if you're a 500 team, you shouldn't go to the playoffs. But even with that, you know, change looming, I don't see the Pirates contending for a World Series championship, let alone a division title, in the next three or four years. The Bears, you're right, they they they, they need some help. <laughs> and and I'm you know even with the parity that the salary cap brings to the NFL, I'm not sure um, they're going to hoist the Lombardi Trophy anytime soon. Um, so that leaves me with Everton, and they have an owner who, at least now, finally is willing to, to open the pockets a little bit and spend some money. They seem to have more of a plan from management about how to assemble a cast uh, of players that can perform, and they have guys on that field who have a little bit of sizzle, and I think they need to find a way Going back to what you were saying earlier about Pickford, they do need a way to find to, to get him back to being confident again. And I, you know, it, it as I've watched him, you know, I, it's funny when you mention how you know you just don't want to write about him almost because it's, it's just at that point the Pirates had a guy named Pedro Alvarez years ago who was the first round draft pick who was uh, a slugger uh, in college who was supposed to get to the major leagues and just hit home run after home run and be the the kind of you know, thumper in the lineup that the Pirates haven't had for a few years. And they, he was finally going to be the guy who could solidify third base and play there for the next, you know, five, six, ten years. And it failed in every way. Um, he he never became a prolific home run hitter. His defense was terrible. He was awful with the, with the media. And it just it got to a point where even when good things happened, it just felt bad that something bad was going to happen and eventually had to get away from the pirates and you just hope that something like that doesn't that it doesn't turn that badly for pickford um i still say that with you know and plus the, you know, with, with the international competitions what i still think there's a chance everton finds some sort of hardware winning success before either the pirates or the bears i think that is the perfect note to finish the podcast on <laughs> an upbeat an upbeat note um a note of positivity and I think we need that probably now more than ever, given that Everton headed into the international break with um, a, a succession of defeats. So so thank you for that, Rob. Cheers to Rob and Kevin for joining me. It, it, it's been fantastic to get your thoughts on, on Everton um, and your, your Everton experiences, your Everton memories up to this point. So really appreciate it. And thanks for listening. We'll be back at the same time next week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 